Hello there. You're very welcome to At Home with Breffney, a show that's designed to help you if you're looking to buy property in Ireland. I'm a licensed buyer's agent and work with clients who are too far away or simply too busy to get a property bought. I also offer one-hour property coaching calls, which you can book by clicking the link in the show notes below. These calls help my clients get clarity and focus whatever their property issue is. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoy today's show and find it useful. everyone you're really welcome to episode 49 of at home with Breffney and today I'm delighted to be joined and especially extra delighted to be joined on a Sunday because we're recording this on Sunday with huge thanks to Anne Tuhi of Room Junkie. Anne is an interior designer who's been gaining huge traction with her snappy posts on five ways to do this and 10 tips on how to do that and Anne I find you a really good communicator which is why I sent you an email and picked up the phone to see would you join me today. So thank you for joining me. Well you're so welcome Breffney and I'm actually honoured and delighted that you've asked me. <laughs> right so what we're hoping to achieve today is to really allow any potential buyer of a property have basically the advantage of my experience looking at properties combined with your experience looking at properties. So basically we're going to be a pair of glasses. I'm going to be the location neighborhood budget side and Anne is going to be the watch out for this, look for this potential etc side in terms of interiors because that's what Anne does. Anne is an interior designer. So let's just assume we've got the following scenario which is you found a house in an area that suits you. It's about the right size for you. It's on a road that you like. It works for you in terms of budget because you've done your due diligence and you've phoned estate agents and you're up to speed with the recent sale agreed prices in your area. And that's the sale agreed prices versus the prices on the property price register, which as we all know, is usually about six months out of date. So you know you can afford the house, you know the area suits your general lifestyle, as in you can commute to work from it if you work not from home, as in it suits your family configuration it suits your recreational needs. You can do your thing here, whether you're a jogger, whether you're a sailor, whether you're an embroiderer, whatever your thing is, you can do it from here. And you know you can afford it because you've phoned some agents about recent sale agreed prices in the area. However, you're aware that while this house is the right amount of house in the right location, you know there's some work to be done on it because otherwise you don't have a problem. Otherwise you'd probably just go ahead and bid up to the maximum you can afford and buy it. But we're looking today at a potential house that's definitely got some work to do to it. So, Anne, if you were asked, say, by a son or a daughter to take a look at a house that they're thinking of buying, what might be some things that you'd look out for? Okay, well, the fundamental thing have already covered it is location your mm-hmm. location must be absolutely perfect and obviously the budget needs to be addressed as well you have to be able to afford to buy the house and have a lifestyle mm-hmm. however i you're actually better off buying a house that needs a little bit of work doing mm-hmm. because for a start the price may just be a little bit less and it means that you put your stamp 
on that house and it becomes your house because I can think of nothing worse than buying a house, someone else's dream house mm-hmm. that I couldn't do anything with. And there are so many ways. When we lived in Dublin, I can tell you, I trawled South County Dublin looking for a house, and the one that we bought was an absolute way. And we had no money to do anything with it because we actually pumped all of our money into a super house on a super road. Mm-hmm. But we had no money left to do the work. That didn't stop us. And I certainly didn't know then what I know now. Mm-hmm. So first thing I would do approaching the house, if I had one of my sons with me, I would take the compass because aspect is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Brightness, lightness, you must have as much lightness and brightness in your house as you can possibly get. It's just so uplifting and so healthy. So I would, in an ideal world, be looking for a south or a west-facing garden. To the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But because, you know, let's face most kitchens are to the back where you mostly live in the back. Uh, so that is really, really important to me. Mm-hmm. Walking in the front, lightness, that sense of lightness and brightness would be important to me. Mm-hmm. And I would say to anybody, all the curtains, get rid of any impediment to light, even if you have to move furniture to see how much light you can actually get into that house. Because there are so many ways, even if the house seems a little bit dark, by having internal glazing in your doors, robbing light from your hall to your kitchen to your living room really does make an impact. I designed a house here in Donegal for Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. It was the blackest, darkest mahogany house. If you can imagine there was no light coming in and any light was being absorbed by the darkness and there were lights on from seven in the morning. And now it's the most delightful, delightful, amazing home by using every trick in the book. So And Anne, can I ask you, that house had that the right orientation? Was that south or west facing? Was west facing, yes, it was. Right. We did extend the kitchen. We added um, my full doors and got a lot of light in that way. But to be honest, that was the only extension pretty much that happened. Everything else was modification of what was originally there. But I have shown this house as a case study, and people have said to me, that's not the same house. I can assure you it is. Mm-hmm. It was just by using absolutely every trick. Um, another thing that you can do that wouldn't cost you a fortune, because presumably if the house is in bad nick, the floors are in bad nick, if you have the same floor running from your front door throughout as far as you can, that makes a massive impact. It creates this lovely sense of flow. And it actually doesn't have to be the same floor. You could have a tile and a carpet that are similar colours so that you get this illusion of this seamless mm-hmm. floor going on to infinity. And it really maximises um, the, the space or the sense of space that you have. Mm-hmm. Paint as well can be transformational. It's probably the cheapest and most effective way that you can transform your house. So by using light reflective tones of paint and by using a neutral palette, and I certainly haven't said that wave goodbye to the greys. I still think there's a lot of mileage left in grey walls for your house because the right grey in the right area does create something that's classical and beautiful and timeless. And regardless of what furniture you put with it, there's actually an awful lot that you can put with it. But you get this lovely sense of flow as well. I would paint all your doors in timber white. I would paint your ceilings white if you want to brighten things up. It okay. absolutely works. Can I just get back to you on the light reflective tones? You know what you're talking yes. about there. But will you just outline for someone who's going to go out to the paint shop tomorrow to buy some paint and wants to do what you are advising, what kind of colours are we talking about when we're talking about light reflective tones? Actually, that's a very good question because I'm just assuming that everybody knows what they are. Uh, colour trend would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Between paints as well, there 
colors are what I would call, in fact, I use a lot of the little green paints at the moment. It's super paint. It is a bit more expensive, but it goes on like custard so that you get so much more bang for your buck. The tin goes on forever. That's little green, is it? Little green paint company, mm-hmm. widely available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, a color trend is an Irish company. Their lights, their the way they've manufactured the paints, the pigment is like collected. They're also washable and scrubbable, so if you have kids or pets, it's a really, really good idea. So most of the color trend neutrals would be light and bright and they're very uplifting, beautiful paints. So I wouldn't skip and buy the cheapest paint. I would buy a good paint and um You'll, you'll get value out of it because you get much more bang for your buck. Okay. Age. Brilliant. And then you had moved on to say some really useful things like paint the doors white, glaze oh. the internal doors. Um, yes. Very useful tips. Now, all the tricks in the book, do mirrors come into it? Yes, I do. And you know something, Becky, I'm like a child sometimes when I will order and specify a large mirror and then I put it up and it's like, oh my God. Uh, you know, I can remember years ago doing a show house in Sligo and Ronan O'Gara was coming to open it the following day and the cleaning team were in and this lady came up to me and she said, well, do you know this house is far bigger than the one next door? And I laughed out loud. <laughs> Happy days. And it was things like, just what I've said, the floor continuing throughout, the right paint colours, lots of mirrors to open up the space. Even mirrored furniture can be very useful. And there's a lot of it in the shops at the moment. Okay, very interesting. So obviously your house was indeed the exact same size as the house next door. I hear exactly what you say and I completely think that's excellent advice. Now, can we look at something like the flat roof extension? Because in general, a lot of first-time buyers are buying houses that might be ex-corporation houses in Dublin in the likes of, say, Cabra, Crumlin, Kimmage, Kilmainham. So very often there are three bedrooms upstairs, downstairs, two bedrooms, and then there's a flat roof extension that people have added on in order to get the bathroom and the kitchen in there. So often there's no bathroom upstairs, but there's a bathroom downstairs just off the kitchen. Have you any views on that configuration? Nothing fills my heart more with dread than the words flat roofed extensions. Sometimes you could be very, very lucky depending on what was used and the material that was used and who constructed it. So maybe that's something I would certainly have a good look at before you buy um, and get assessed. Let's say best case scenario that you've got space there and okay, it does have a flat roof extension that's watertight and solid and perfect. Um, I'd probably look at the existing configuration and it's probably worthwhile. The bathroom that's there is probably the original bathroom. So I would invest the money in gutting that out. Um, and by putting in, if you've got, well, obviously if you've got kids, you're going to have to have a bath there. You could put in a wet room. You know, I, I find sometimes with the bathrooms, just by changing the layout of the bathroom, by swapping the toilet with the sink, um, you know, by having the bath feature under the window, that you can create a sensational bathroom at exactly the same cost, just by getting your layout right. Even if you have a tiny enough space, you can get short projection toilets and neater vanity units that will actually make the space seem bigger than they are. Uh, So that's a useful thing to know. 
Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. And in one of, um, I think it was in last week's podcast or last time's podcast, I just mentioned the architect's pocketbook, which I think is a lovely, handy thing for anyone to have in their, in their life. How it gives the dimensions of amount of space that you need to put in a loo or the amount of circulation space you need around a table. I just find those kind of facts and figures so useful to have. You know something, I've never heard of the architect's pocketbook. What did you call a pocketbook? I've always just figured that out for myself every time. Oh my goodness. Well, I got it when I was doing my interior design course. And I have to say, when I bought it, I thought it was like winning the lottery. That they actually showed how many chairs you can get around this circumference, this circumference, this circumference of a table, how much clearance room you need around them, etc. So anyway, it's just, it, it's worth, it's only, what, 20 euros definitely worth anyone considering getting because i would say every single time i'm out on a job i reinvent the wheel and start from scratch in every single space goodness goodness well we'll talk about that after i've said you and so just in terms of people uh trying to figure out what jobs are going to cost before I started to talk to you today, Anne, I had a look at the Royal Institute of Architects of Ireland just to see what were they guiding in terms of budget costs to renovate an old house. So I'll just give you the figures that they have on their site to see if anything resonates with you there. So what the figure they were suggesting per square metre to just conduct renovations to a house you're not adding on anything. You're just renovating the space you've got. They had 1,800 to 2,000 per square metre. That was just to renovate. Then they also gave a figure for if you wanted to do an extension, a single story or a double story extension. They suggested a rule of thumb of 1,900 to 2,300 per square metre. And then another useful figure and the final figure I have is let's say you buy an old house and you do want to extend, but you also need to bring the existing house up to speed. You need to renovate that too. They had an overall cost per square metre of 2,000 to 2,500 per square metre. So I thought even if, if nothing, even if you could do it for less, or spend a lot more. It's no harm for people to have those rule of thumb costs that were published in August of this year, in 2019, um, just to work with if they're trying to throw a figure on things. To be honest, from my experience, those figures are probably bang on the money. Goodness. Right, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, now, I would, I would say in addition to that, the spec should be quite good that level yes. of cost, but that would be the right amount you would expect to spend, yes. Right. Um, I often think, Anne, that if you're buying a house, sometimes you need to have the money to employ someone like you, or sometimes if you've got the style yourself, you can do it for less money because you've got an eye. So I, I sometimes wonder if you need both. But let's just say we were trying to offer people some tips on doing, getting a look, a finished look on a bit of a budget. We're assuming we're talking to people for whom money is an issue. Uh-huh. 
Are there any thoughts in terms of flooring or windows or that kind of thing that you might share? Okay. Well, first thing I would say to anybody who's undertaking a renovation on the, by themselves, I would say it's really, really important that they identify their style and that they know exactly what they want. Because I have this theory, and it might sound simplistic, but it is true. If you know what you're looking for, you will find it to your budget. It's when you don't know and you make random choices until nothing works and you waste your money and you become distressed and you probably ring me. Yeah. So having a plan, knowing exactly, doing your homework, doing your due diligence, speak to your friends who's possibly gone through a similar situation, find out what trades people they've used, find out what window companies, because you will find a huge variation in price mm-hmm. from the lower end windows to higher end windows. And there might not always be a massive difference in quality, so just be sensible. Kitchens the same, bathrooms, you can spend less if you're savvy, without a doubt. Or you can spend silly money, depending on what you want, that's your choice. But most people buying a house, younger people buying a house, are not going to have tons of money. Right? Mm-hmm. So to be quite astute in how they spend it. So I would say um, for flooring, shop around. Um, I would only buy from reputable flooring companies. You might sometimes People might tell you about so-and-so who sells tiles at a great price. Well, I guarantee your tiler won't lay them because it costs be seconds. So you, if, you, if you're smart, if you buy in the sales, a lot of the shops are buying directly from suppliers now in Italy and Spain, so there's savings to be made by the customer there. Things that will cost you money, your floor is going to cost you money, and you need to invest well in your floor because once it goes down, you are not going to take it up again. One thing that I say to people who are retrofitting, say you put, you're doing, ripping out the existing bathroom, you can actually put in an electrical underfloor heating. It doesn't cost a lot. It's like a mat to mesh of mat and wires. It goes down under your underfloor heating, and then it's thermostatically controlled for pennies. It's actually quite cheap to run. But it means you have the luxury of doing that. You wouldn't rub up your bathroom to do it, but if you're doing a retrofit anyway, it's a good thing to do. Okay. It will cost a lot of money. And can I just ask you, when you say invest in your floor, what are we talking about? Are we saying if you're thinking of doing, you might be saying, oh, well, laminate is cheaper. Oh, but you're suggesting maybe do go for solid wooden flooring. What kind of, what are the decisions we're actually making? What physical material are we comparing and saying that's a good investment? And what are we saying is not a great investment? I surprise you with this answer, Brett, because... Ten years ago, I think I only used solid floor everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, mostly use a really good quality on laminate floor with a good quality on underlay underneath it for many reasons. For one, the quality of the laminate has improved so much. You can even get the acoustic laminate now. The under um, what's the word they're trying to use? The um, underlay that goes underneath it is an acoustic. It's perforated acoustic um, barrier so that you can diminish the noise coming from upstairs. The boards come in wide planks. They're so, technology has improved so much that they're quite, they're really realistic looking. You couldn't damage them. 10 women could walk with stiletto heels on them all night long and not a mark. So to be honest, and they're compatible with underfloor heating as well. So I'm using another lot of high quality laminate. And of course that reduces your cost because you can pick up some that are actually quite reasonably priced. Okay, right. No, worries about put- in fact if I were to change the flooring in my own house tomorrow I would change all that solid wood and install a good quality lounge without a doubt right just for ease of keeping it 
keeping maintenance is going to look great forever and you know, my floors have to be sanded every couple of years if you buy an engineered board depending on the uh, amount of the veneer on the top of the board you might only get two sandings out of the life of that board and that costs you a lot of money to buy so i would have no worries about a good quality laminate okay Okay, so how about things like then, if you're doing the work, putting in big windows versus, like, is that the kind of quality investment you would suggest, going for the double glazed doors out to the garden or going for it in terms of increasing the light in the house? Is that an investment you would make? Yes, it is. I would do it for two reasons. In fact, I would go and I would put triple glazing in, in the doors and the windows and I would invest in insulation because an older house will need that. And there's no point in going to the expense and trouble of doing all this work in your house to have a house that's not comfortably warm. So I would certainly invest the money in doing that. Mm-hmm. Improve your windows. Uh, if you can enlarge them easy enough without too much cost, I would do that too. Definitely. Um, if you didn't have patio doors or French doors out to your garden, I would most certainly make that investment and not go all through and do that. Mm-hmm. Internally as well, I am a fan of open plan living. So if possible, I would knock through double doors from one room into another so that you have the option of closing off the space if you want or keeping it open, but at least you have that open plan thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as well as that, if your kitchen into the living space I would do that too and keep it because we live now in a way that we like to have open plan space and everybody congregates in the kitchen so we want it to be a large space and comfortable with perhaps the option of closing it off if you want for intimate spaces or if you want a little bit of privacy if you want to get away from the children mm-hmm mm-hmm um, so when we're saying we're making decisions about investing in quality pieces uh, versus less quality and we're assuming we're on a budget, how about the kitchen? How would you approach your kitchen in terms of on a budget? In terms of, say, the countertop, would you, what would you select if you're on a budget? Okay, it depends on, I suppose it depends on what is a budget. Firstly, to source the kitchen, I am a great fan of going to your local small kitchen guy who's been in business for quite a while, who's really good at what he does, so that he can create something maybe that's not standard, mm-hmm. that some of the bigger companies won't come off the pack, and, and it's um, standard. So I would not discount going to somebody like that, talking him through what you want. Mm-hmm. Say if you want a painted kitchen, I have no problems with having an MDF kitchen and having it painted. Mm-hmm. Um, but the worktops... Most definitely, if you can put a stone or a porch worktop on your kitchen, it's going to elevate that kitchen and make it look really expensive and a quality product. Mm-hmm. However, man-made worktops out there at the moment that don't look one bit like the old Formica worktops of before. Mm-hmm. Some of them are concrete looking, some are slimmer, and some are fatter profiled. They've got square edges. They're absolutely gorgeous. I did an apartment recently in Kitty Bags, and the kitchen was a home-based kitchen. And the worktop was a grey concrete type home-based worktop and it looks amazing, amazing. Okay, and, and so that, that was kind of on a lower budget sort of finish. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so Anne, anything else we're thinking of? We've addressed the flooring throughout the house, letting it flow, um, keeping it similar either in texture or in colour or both perhaps. We're going for as large a window as we can get in. And you're saying it does make sense to um, invest in triple glazed. I know that there's a website called window24.ie. And even if you haven't found your house yet, it might be no harm to 
have a look at the kind of house you think you're likely to buy. Let's say it's an ex-corporation house and simply start getting quotes for the things you're going to want now. So you have an idea. Okay, well, I'm going to have to spend about 12 grand on windows or etc, etc. Start get. There's nothing like actually getting the information to um, make you feel more confident even in bidding. I think that's a really, really good idea because you must have a handle. To me, the most important part of any project I've ever been involved in, boringly, is the budget. Mm-hmm. Because you have to rely on it. If you go over on one or two items, you've messed everything up. So you must be totally focused upon it and know exactly what everything costs and know what good value is. Uh, and shop around a lot that's a really good idea because you know what if you know where you want your house to be you know what it looks like and it's almost like the law of attraction it will come to you mm-hmm. and if you know where you're going to get your windows where you're going to get your floor another thing I would say to people is if you're putting down tiles tiles now are really large format up to a meter 1.2 meters so there's very little grout I hate grout that's what gets dirty on your floor it's not your tile so that you can have this amazing seamless tiled look um, so I definitely go for the larger tiles. They would open out your space as well and make it seem so much bigger. Sorry, and the word you used there was grout. I, I, I can sometimes hear a little bit of a jump in what you're saying there, and there's a little bit of a sound glitch. So what the word Anne was saying there is there's very little grout in the big tiles, and it's the grouting that makes the tile floor appear uh, dirty, if it does appear dirty. So sorry, just mentioning that. Okay, so we, we've got our flooring. We're working to some extent with local um, providers. We're deciding we're going to be an expert on this now. We're not going to wait until we've actually got our house. We're going to start looking at the kind of house we think we're going to likely to buy and start pricing out. Like, It's not going to be a surprise to you what the floor space of this house is because they're all built to usual spec. So the chances are if it's an ex-council house, you're going to be buying a 60 square meter house you can start pricing flooring for that. The chances are it's going to have five windows. You can start pricing your windows now. You can start looking at your kitchen. You know what level of meterage you're likely to have as a workspace in your kitchen. So start getting expert now. Um, Open a file in Dropbox or on your own computer and start getting quotes even so you've got a good sense of it. And bear in mind the overall per square meter cost that we've just quoted earlier in the programme there. Anything else, Anne? Anything else? Let me see. Um, one thing that I will say, people will become obsessed. Once you start into this project, you do become obsessed. It takes over your waking, living, breathing moment. But that's a good thing because you do become very knowledgeable. But I like your idea of starting that process even before you buy the house so that you know there are no surprises. And if you really want something, well, then you can compensate by maybe adjusting the price of something else. Because I honestly have this theory that you can get what you want if you're smart and looking and if you know what you want. Completely agree with you. I completely agree with you, Anne. I completely agree. If you have it clearly identified as to what you want, you're halfway towards getting it. I really do agree with that. But just one thing, but finally, before we go, Anne, you mentioned earlier that really a key to shopping well and getting the things you want at the right budget, a key to it is knowing what your style is because if you don't know what you want you might make many mistakes and spend money so identifying your style like it's easy perhaps for you because you were born visually it's innately in you it's not in me 
It never was. I used to, I remember when I bought, when I got married and we bought our house, I was actually scared of it. I was thinking, I don't understand this house. It was a 1950s house. I didn't get it. But one thing that would have helped me was if I just thought, okay, my house is 1950s. Let me at least look at things that were fashionable in the 1950s and actually take a hint from the vintage of your house as to how you might approach doing it up. If you're buying a Victorian house, check out what was a fashion in Victorian times or a 1930s house. At least see what would make that house coherent with its own build in terms of design. And then see, do you want to go ahead down that road? So if you're someone who's stuck and you just don't know what your style is, maybe take a hint from the actual date of build of the house yourself and look and see what was fashionable in, in interiors at that date. And that might give you some ideas. Well, it was certainly maybe a starter. There's, one, there's a process that I actually follow if I'm working with somebody. I do a lot of new builds. I specialize in new builds. And there is a process that I follow to establish their style, to coach them to find their style, because most people don't know. I always start with the kitchen prepping. Ah. We might be a block, literally at two block levels, and I will have the kitchen nailed. The style of the kitchen, the layout of the kitchen, because the style of that kitchen will actually dictate the style of your house. So if you want to go with a seriously contemporary kitchen, well, that look is going to flow through the rest of the house as well. If you have a classical painted kitchen, again, that's going to have an influence on the style. Your kitchen is a big issue. It's a big thing, and it's the heart of your house. It's so important. So I would say, start with your kitchen. Pick a kitchen design that you absolutely love. Make all those decisions. When that's done, then I would look at your flooring, because your flooring must be compatible with your kitchen. But it's very easy to pick your flooring if you have something, if you've already picked your doors and your worktop, and you know the style of the kitchen, then it's actually much easier to pick your floor. Uh, I also start with the bathrooms at a very early stage, mostly because I wanted to get the layout of the bathrooms right for the first fix, but I also wanted to get the style of those bathrooms established as well. So start going around all the bathroom showrooms, take inspiration, be gut led. This is your home. It's not my home. It's your home. So it has to be the house that's right for you, even if you don't know what that is. So by going around and looking at kitchens and looking at bathrooms, some things you'll just love. And that's what's right for you, what you love. And you can easily recreate that then in your own house. What a brilliant bit of advice. That would never have occurred to me to start with your kitchen. I do it all the time. What a great idea. Works. It works. Fantastic, Anne. Well, now, on that note, I think, I hope the sound quality has been good enough, but I really want to say that has been very useful, I think, to me. Uh, like the, absolutely one of the most exciting things I've taken away from that is start with the kitchen. Brilliant idea, because most people have a quite a strong view about their kitchen, whereas they mightn't about other things. So, brilliant advice. So... <laughs> On that note, I want to give you one other quick little bit of advice. Um, people have trouble picking their paint colours as well. If you start with your fabric, if you find a fabric that you love, your curtains, your blinds, or whatever, and you pick the base colour out of that fabric and match it up with your paints, I will guarantee you 100% you will get the correct paint colour for your walls. So that's another simple one too that works over and over. Rinse and repeat. Excellent, Anne. Fantastic. So if people want to find you, you do do work in Dublin as well, is that correct? 
actually I do but it's still my happy place so I'm up and down to Dublin all of the time absolutely yes great so people can find you at Room Junkie that's J-U-N-K-I-E dot com oh actually my website has been hacked I found that out yesterday oh. so my providers yes I don't really know what's happening there but Facebook is a really good place to get me and or even on Twitter either okay Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do feel we've got some good, valuable tips there to offer people who are house hunting on a budget. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to book that coaching session with me, just click on the link in the show notes. Or if you'd like to find out more about the buyer's agent service I offer, click on my website link in the show notes. And best of luck with taking your next step towards a new home in Ireland.